Hey Guardians, this is the Non-Pig, and I just wanted to let you know before you listen to this episode that there are some audio issues. We've done everything we could and have actually had outside people look at it as well. Uh, there is a sort of loud static that goes throughout the entire episode. We understand that is a pretty glaring audio issue, but we were not able to record this week uh, on schedule, so we wanted to release this one that we've been sitting on for a short while. We will, because of that, be recording again tomorrow and posting that on Friday the 24th. Uh, that episode will be the Warlock Vanguard Lorecast and will cover all of the news as well from all th- the final two reveals for the Age of Triumphs. <laughs> Welcome, Guardians, to this Vexulation Lorecast. I am a non-pig, and with us this week we have two of the other three fantastic hosts, uh, Purple Chimera and Nithos Mike. How are you guys? I'm doing well. How are you, Biggie? Uh, I'm alright. Purple? Purple is not sitting at the chair at the moment. She has oh, run baby. up the stairs. Yeah, babies. Uh, Purple is so well. Do you guys want to pause that, or what you want to do? Nah. Nah, that's fine. Okay. Purple as well. <laughs> she is. <laughs> because, well. really, aside, we'll get, we'll, we will get to you in a moment, goddammit. We'll get to you in a moment. But I did mention how we had two of the other three. I normally say we have both of our other fantastic hosts. The truth of the matter is that we actually also have another uh, host who is here, uh, Handsome Dragon, who is here in spirit. So good, good on him for joining us in spirit today. And that brings us to our special guest, the reason we are here, My Ninja Hates You. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm well. Just spirited. Yeah. I have have some grapes and a a glass of milk, so I'm I'm pretty happy. That's somewhat thematic, I think. But, uh... So this week, uh, we, we brought you on to talk about a Vex speculative about the glass theory show. Almost entirely no just reading Grimoire, just really getting into a discussion about a theory and some other things that has been popping up in the, the Destiny news. Uh, so we'll be skipping the weekly highlight and just moving right on to your theory. Would you uh, like to take it away? Uh, yeah, sure, no problem. So um, to kind of put this in perspective, I, I've i basically been thinking about the Vault of Glass in some form or another since the first time I went through it, which was probably, mm, I don't know, two or three weeks after the first raid came out. Uh, time travel is hilarious and cool to me, and the Vex as a antagonist were fascinating because the very first thought I ever had was how in the name of all that is holy, are we ever supposed to feel like we could win? Which is sort of the theme of the Vault and the Vex and everything, is that somehow we can. Um, Basically, uh, I, as a person, um, I am very fascinated in kind of uh, connections between different facets of of stories and lore and everything. Um, I'm one of those guys who likes to say, oh, 
Well, that that uh, story was written in the same structure as this section of the Iliad, and it's in reference to this, this, and this. I, I like kind of that whole cataloging of everything. And so um, while I liked thinking about the Vex and how cool, you know, like what happened to Caper, how did the Aegis function, you know, uh, what, what, what even was the point of the Vault of Glass? I mean, it was obviously there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in there, but really the only reason we went in is because Bungie said, hey, you can go open the store now. There, there wasn't really a lot of story. I mean, story of year one, I suppose. Um, but then the Taken King came out, and as a result, the Books of Sorrow came out, and to me, suddenly everything started coming into a lot of focus as I was reading it. Um, and it basically came from the fact that what originally made me so interested in the vault was the uh, Gorgon Grimoire card, um, which we don't have to read if you guys don't want to, but is, is probably one of the single greatest Grimoire cards in the game. Um, most people didn't know you could get it initially, because nobody realized that you could kill Gorgons initially, because that was actually pretty dang hard to do early on. And uh, the Grimoire card basically talks about how the Gorgons had this uh, thing they called an onto ontological weapon. Um, and I know, I'm sure you guys have talked about it before, and I know most of the lore community has, but uh, for anybody who, who hasn't heard it, um, the prefix onto basically means having to do with reality. An ontological weapon is something that would uh, alter reality, or in the case of the Vex, it basically just erases you from reality. It's more or less the same kind of thing that the combination of the uh, Oracles and Templar are doing, except the Gorgons just do it. Um, this stood out to me as being super awesome, and then when it, you get into the Book of Sorrows and everything like that, uh, there's a part where uh, Oryx and Sabathun and Zigurath are... Um, <coughs> Uh, fighting the Ecumen Council. And there is a card that is told from the point of view of the Ecumen right after Oryx becomes the Taken King and, and uh, slays his sisters and slays Akka and carves up his body and everything like that. And um, they refer to him using uh, the power to take. And uh, it is referred to as an ontopathogenic weapon. As in, instead of um, just a, a reality weapon, it is a reality infection or, or weaponizing an infection of reality or something like that. Uh, which, I don't know how you guys felt. I know when I went through the, the Taken King little campaign, I, I thought that the... I mean, like, certainly there was some crazy stuff going on with when orcs took somebody. But it didn't occur to me that that was necessarily anything deeper than uh, uh, some sort of body augmentation and mind control. Um, you know, until the, the grimoire stuff came up. So, uh, basically, given that, I started kind of making comparison points between the way the Books of Sorrow talked about Throne Worlds and the way they talked about the Vex. Um... I, I, the way I explain it is this this kind of is like the theory of the the meta story of destiny like the the way that the destiny story is themed um, what I think happened is basically as follows or possibly proceeds or happens concurrently uh, screw the vex a little bit <laughs> uh, 
Um, so uh, basically, you have this initial point where um, this is happening thousands or millions of years ago. Time is relative to the Vex, but way in the past as far as the Hive are concerned, and probably we are concerned. The Vex stumble upon the Hive because Crota is, if not an actual idiot, pretty freaking gullible. Um, you guys have talked about this in the past. Queria Blade Transform realizes that there is this whole other type of universe with a whole other set of rules that grant power from worship, uh, specifically to the worms or as a result of the worms or something of that nature. More importantly, there here here there uh, in this throne realm of orcs that uh, Queria finds itself in, there is a whole other type of universe that allows itself to be ruled by a single will. <clears throat> Remember, the Vex are basically just out to uh, order and pattern reality. Um, whether that's something that was set out for them or something they decided to do themselves, we don't really know. But, we're, but I mean, the best we have to go on is Praetith and the Paradox mission telling us that kind of stuff, so I'm kind of taking that as gospel at this point. Mm -hmm. So, um, at first, uh, Quiria sets out to take over the throne realm of Oryx, and to be fair, Quiria was missing some key information on the viability of that plan, uh, which which did not work out well for Quiria in the end. But um, in, in that direction, Quiria uh, creates a subgroup or or um, subtype in the in the case of Vex. Uh, subtype of the Vex that uh, she programs, or it programs, I always think of it as a female for some reason, I have no idea. Uh, Quiria programs this subtype of Vex to believe in worship, which is kind of a weird, interesting thing to begin with. Um, then Quiria gets captured and then taken after a what seems to be a long campaign against the Hive and Oryx. This involves the Vex coming into contact with Annihilator Totems, Sword Logic, the Deep, Crota, the Worms, uh, Irhalak, Iranuk, culminating in an insight into the origins of Arash, the Worms, the Hive, and all of that before Queria itself is taken. Now, so set aside for a moment that it is unsettlingly powerful to me that I mean, we we read like when you go back to the the first thing we really read about the Vex with the Ishtar Collective and instanced realities and things like that. Um, it, it is unsettling to me, just as a a kind of uh, concept that you have a Vex mind and apparently not the most powerful one out there that managed to look at Oryx and extrapolate Arash. I mean, this is after Oryx has become the Taken King and is a fully paracausal ascendant being in his own reality and everything like that. And so you have this Vex who, who looks at that being that is totally overwhelming to it on a multitude of levels um, and extrapolates this scared, basically scared little girl from the Krill people that became the Hive. I mean, and to me, that's that's like one of those moments where, like, Oryx sort of like is affected by it, but brushes it aside. But I think that's like one of the more unsettling aspects uh, of the Vex on a whole is that they they seem to be able to strip reality down to a basic set of uh, parameters and and do it in extremely 
I do it extremely rapidly with seemingly very little effort. We're lucky they haven't been able to replicate that on a larger scale quite yet. Yeah, ex- I mean, or they have, and we never knew about it. It's it's a whole other <laughs> Good question. Point. Yeah, I mean, that's really the problem is, would you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of, um, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead for just a second, and, and I'm going to sure. kind of come back to why I think this. Uh, I, the moment I read about the Vex interaction with Oryx, the first thought I had was, and, and it took me a while to figure out why I thought this, that uh, the Vault of Glass is, I, I had this instinct that the purpose of the Vault of Glass was to have the Vex recreate a throne world like the Hive had for the express purpose of creating weaponry or tactics to defeat paracausal beings. Because the Vex are not paracausal. There's basically... As far as, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think as far as we know, there's four sources of paracausal power in the universe, or, or four uh, uses of it, I suppose. One is the Traveler, one is the Deep, and then there are the Guardians and the Hive. I believe that's correct. And really just the Ascendant Hive. The regular Hive are, I mean, they could theoretically get there, but they aren't. They don't have the tithing up to them. Yeah, That's yeah. Why it takes so long. Yeah, they definitely. They, there's like a, a critical mass a hive. Uh, exactly has to reach. Yeah. I just I just realized I was muted. Um, <clears throat> also, there might be in the case of Amkara. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, you're and correct. And a few like mm-hmm. it's 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 more like things that we don't know yet might also be pair. Mm, excuse yeah. me. And I mean really. I, yeah, and I mean really, I say the hive, but of course I mean the worms. Yeah. Because the krill weren't paracausal. Yeah. I suppose you could argue that um, or- Oryx, <laughs> yeah, Oryx and Zebo-Roth and Sabathun are, regardless of their worms at this point. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that's debatable, too. Mm. At least in the case of the other ones, Oryx probably actually is, because he slew a and all that other jazz. So, anyway... Uh, that was my my gut instinct was just um, the vault is about creating a throne world, and I and I realized I have no evidence for that, and I really have to figure out if that makes any sense. So there is this this part in um, the the card uh, end of a failed timeline, which is the moment where uh, Queria gets taken, and it says, let's see, this one I kind of want to read. Uh, Quiria shuts down its weapons and puts all of its spare resources into sending telemetry to the greater Vex. There will be points in space and time where this data is vital. There will be great projects undertaken in the study of this ontological power, this throne space. So this again, subjectively happens, or objectively I suppose happens, millions of years ago. um, When the uh, hive have just finished or are still currently fighting the ecumen somewhere right around then <clears throat> and uh, they still have you know at least one or two other encounters with the traveler before they even track the traveler to earth uh, somewhere in that realm the, the traveler skips through the elixir stuff happens 
but the Vex, we know that this is all relative to them. So, so the Vex exists at multiple points in time simultaneously. So there's this notion like, oh, hey, here's all the data I have. Um, go ahead and start working on it seven billion years ago. I'll catch up with you whenever. That's that's a pr- pretty uh, impressive ability. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's what they do. You know, we the first thing you hear when you get to Venus in the in the vanilla game is, hey, these ruins on Venus are, you know, they predate humanity by millions of years. And then later you finally find out, oh yeah, that's because the Vex can literally reach into an alternate timeline where that was there and pull it into your reality. Mm. So at some point, the Vex succeed at doing whatever the hell they need to succeed at. That's that's kind of their whole inevitable scariness. So, anyway, Queria passes along all this information, and this kind of comes into a, a kind of weird thing about the Vex that I, I don't hear people talk about nearly, in my opinion, enough. The Vex get portrayed a lot as this great unified force, where there are overarching minds of the Vex that guide their actions. They... they not to mix my metaphors here, but they get viewed as like a hive mind, I think, a lot of the time. They're not. Mm-hmm. They have multiple subtypes within their hierarchy that seek out different methods to possibly attain the same basic goal, but they are different. Um, like you have the he's incorrective that does things a certain way versus the soul divisive, which were the ones you find in the Black Garden. Now, the soul divisive are important, because we find them praying to this clot of darkness, whatever, we've never actually figured out what the hell that was. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Queria creates a subtype of Vex that believe in worship. It is part of their base nature, that worship can equal power. One of the basic realities of a throne world, from everything we've seen, is that there is always an entity at the top of the throne world that benefits from the worship of everything else. Like, it writes the rules of reality, and it seems like a belief in that reality reinforces it. Mm-hmm. So, and there's there's a... Uh, I don't know if I set the, the line aside or not, but there's, there's a line that always makes me think of that, and it's in the... Um, it's in the same... Grimoire card when uh, Oryx kills Aka, and Oryx says something like he, he's referring to the the worms, uh, you know, inevitably are going to eat the hive gods. They're they're inevitably going to be devoured by their worms, and he says something like this is going to happen because these were a gift and we did not take them, and that's the way mm. things work, right? And he kind of says it as a question to Aka, and the mm. response is Aka doesn't say anything, and it was something like. Um, Akkad dared not respond um, for I don't know if it said for fear but it was like out of concern that if it if it lied then the lie yeah. would become reality yeah it was uh, they, they say it like really like poetically like yes. where it's like if he denied the truth it would become a lie which is like yeah that's what a lie is but like it has a greater impact on the situation yeah exactly and so my my thought for that is that is that is sort of a again like you said poetic um, notion, but it's sort of a poetic indicator that if a ka 
changes the rules, like it acknowledges that things might not work that way, then they no longer work that way because a ka is the focal point of that rule set. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I just, I pulled it up. Aka said nothing because if it denied this truth, the truth might become false. <laughs> exactly. Like no, and and I mean, like just in, in common English, like no, 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 they weren't a gift. That wasn't our intention at all. If I, if it, if Aka says that, then hey, the whole it's deal. it's defining the yes. rule of how the worms yeah. work. That's I've actually never thought of that. That's really impressive. Hmm. And that, to me, kind of opens up this whole notion, because that's the way throne worlds work. That, you know, like, the Oversoul works because, like, this, objectively the sisters figured out some really complicated science. But it was basically about how to further manipulate the rules of reality. Uh-huh. And whoever's... And that was in Oryx's throne realm, like, they were just dicking around. Crota then later <laughs> gets his own... I mean, they really were. They were they were bored. Come on. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. I just find it funny how you're putting that. I mean, they they were they were giant hive nerds. Oh yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Um, but uh, I mean, that's the funniest card in the books of sorrow. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, uh, digress on this stuff a little bit. Uh, the nature of throne realms we could probably debate about for a long time. Yeah. So we should. <laughs> right, we should absolutely. Um, so the the kind of side note to all of this is um, so Queria gets uh, gets taken and given to Sabathun and she's or it's out of the story um, but we know the Vex aren't totally unified and now there is this partially faction taken. Huh? Sorry. partially taken partially taken you're, to you're totally that. correct um, in some <laughs> totally unique weird manner yeah um, he, he's got some of his individuality left so whatever weird. that means yeah um, that's a whole other conversation, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can almost spill a whole episode of that. Exactly. So, um, and it, it probably does factor more into this, to be honest. But anyway, thanks to Quirius' transmission, the Vex now have a subtype within them that believes in worship and understands its application in regards to the powers of the worms and the deep understanding that it is impractical to attempt to take Oryx's throne realm by force. They have learned the hard way. Mm. Um, and with the knowledge that they literally have all the time and timelines in existence with which to test the limits of this power, um, my theory is the Vex subfaction left by Quiria begin construction of their own throne world, which becomes the Vault of Glass. By its very nature, it exists across all timelines as a conflux, capital C, because Atheon's going to come up in a minute. Um, <laughs> this is apart from the standard makeup of reality, just like the throne worlds of the Hive. In addition, they stock up the vault with experimental Vex versions of what they witnessed in Oryx's throne. This is where it gets a little speculative, but kind of bear with me for a second. I can, I can see where you're going, and I really like it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> so so the first thing you encounter when you actually get inside the vault are the oracles and the Templar. So those are annihilator totems, the oracles. Um, and this is, this is especially weird to think about because we play this backwards. If we had met Crota first, I don't think this would have been a reveal at all. Um, so, so the lines in question to me are... Uh, there's a, there's a line from the uh, uh, one of I think just the Vault of Glass card, and uh, it's I think these are all like notes left by Caber. 
and it's like uh, you will meet the Templar in a place that is a time before or after stars. The stars will move around you and mark you and sing to you. They will decide if you are real. And then from the card where the Vex are invading in the Book of Sorrows, um, Oryx's throne realm while he's out, you know, having tea with the deep, um, there's a line, Iranuk pulled a sword star out of the sky. Together the wizards charged it with killing power and made an annihilator totem, which they used to smash the Vex. Really the only commonality there is that they are both stars, but that is a visual I feel like is very, very important, is that the Vex are taking roughly what it was and also they sing to you and decide if you are real again yeah. this is an ontological weapon and the only other thing that's referenced as a song in the entire game if I'm not mistaken is the death song like when songs are power basically like uh, sing well I mean there's the pay and the sate 14 no for god's sake saying <laughs> <laughs> We're, okay, but but we can can we can we um, agree that the pain to Saint Fourteen probably did not describe Saint Fourteen with some paracausal ability that caused him to appear. I mean, if you ask our brothers over at the uh, Focus Fire chat, okay, yeah, they'll point. probably say <laughs> they'll probably say maybe. <laughs> um, so so kind of Calls the next him, like Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Oryx did it. Um, so so next uh you have the gorgons which are more or less death singers mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. now i i had this this note and it took me typing all this out before i came on here to realize that i was wrong about something i was literally about to type like um the gorgons obviously aren't as powerful as death singers because they need the environment of the the nascent throne realm of the vault for their death song to have power but now that I say that, I is there any evidence that Hive Death Singers operate outside of Throne Realms? Uh, actually, there is a little bit of evidence to suggest that they can't, because <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, if we're just going to go based on like the enemy models, mm-hmm. uh, Omnigal should be a Death Singer, and yeah. she's referenced... Uh, Omnigal silence her screams and you yeah. know like her voice is clearly a part of her her being Absolutely. and even so she doesn't just wipe us out she just screams a lot and gets nowhere well and then we only meet um, Ear Ute um, inside of in, Crota's throne in Crota's realm yeah Ear Halak Ear Anuk are so it's inside of Oryx's throne realm and they apparently wield vast power, and they can like fold and rip space around the dreadnought to make it move in, you know, faster in light and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's because it is a throne that, realm. Yeah, the, the whole dreadnought is a throne realm, so of course they can do things that should not be possible. They get special access yeah. to the universe. Yeah. So, so again, <laughs> this is one of those things where you could probably extrapolate a hell of a lot from that and talk about it for a hell of a long time. Yeah. Um. I would also point out, I'm not sure Omnigal is a Death Singer, because the three beings we know for sure are Death Singers have the um, uh, prefix ear before their name. That's true. But that doesn't mean she's not. I just have nothing else to go on. I always <laughs> I always took... Um, it's really funny that you make the raid seem like Vault of Glass is actually Crota's End, 
because I've always seen Crota's End is actually King's Fall. Well, we're where gonna it's like that. Crota. Oh, okay, we're gonna I'll get to that. Go. You're totally correct. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, and just to kind of put it out there, so we've kind of talked about oracles and the, Temp- and the Templar. We've talked about uh, Gorgons. Um, and, and it should be noted that Orgles and the Templar are a two-part Annihilator totem because the Vex do have to do the computation. They're not doing this like it's magic, like the Hive or the Guardians are. Mm-hmm. They're not, by nature, paracausal beings. So they actually have to do the long division, basically, of removing you from existence. They have to figure out how they can divide by zero to make it all work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then you have Atheon. So this has been pointed out a million ways from Sunday in the Destiny lore community. Atheon's name is basically anti-god. Um, you know, Atheon. Uh, there has to be a conflict of power at the heart of every throne realm that writes the laws of the reality there. We've talked about that. Atheon is it for the vault, obviously. Um, it should be noted in my, in my uh, mind. Huh? Sorry, yeah, would, would he be, though? Uh, As opposed to? What was that line? Um... Okay, uh, in the vault, time phrase, and the needle moves through it. The needle is the will of Atheon. I do not know the name of the shape that comes after the needle. <clears throat> yeah, you're you're totally correct, and uh, that's one of those statements that there could very well be a will guiding Atheon. You know, these mm-hmm. these planet galaxy span expands. Oh, lines, okay. You know? So that's I, I that's, don't know. That's the mind above Atheon. So telling Atheon what yeah, to do. My my hunch okay, is that, I can see that. Yeah, my hunch is that since this is a created space, I think that they created Atheon as the mind that was supposed to manage the throne realm. Mm-hmm. Which is inherently a flawed concept of how throne worlds should work. I'm pretty sure there's actually a line that, that questions which came first, uh, yeah. Atheon or the Vault of Glass. Yeah, exactly. It is. And, and, and it might be irrelevant in the in a certain way. I, I was just pointing out that, to me, and this is a really subtle thing, if the Vex are trying to ape sword logic to make everything work, you can't create something at the top. It would have to kill and force its way to the top to actually yeah. be there. Mm-hmm. So, so again, there's sort of a debate, and it could be that the Vault of Glass, that Atheon is so powerful, the Vault of Glass is literally an extension of Atheon's will, like it would be Crota's or Oryx's, and that that Atheon is the one holding it together. But we also kill Atheon, and the Vault is still there. So, well, I, I mean, Crota's, Crota's, uh, yeah, the Oversoul Throne is yeah, still there, and you're right, like everything is still there. You're right, but uh, I would also point we, out... We created a power vacuum ooh, in the Vault of Glass. Yeah. My, and I want to talk about this a little more in a few minutes, but it, there, I, I have a kind of uh, weird thought that we didn't create a power vacuum. Hmm. Um, but that's sort of the, the end point of all of this, I think. All right. Um, so anyway, so here's the, the Vault of Glass. Um, I, I still think, first and foremost, it's there to create like an anti-paracausal being weapon for the Vex to wield. Because mm-hmm. now they're in like a, and, and in current timeline, they're in like a two-pronged war with the Hive and the Guardians. Um, and, uh, you know, they may not see it as a war, but they, they don't have any answer to us. 
So anyway, along comes Kaber. Kaber uh, smashes a hole in the throne realm back to standard reality, or something. He creates the Aegis. Then our fire team comes along again, and uses that power to storm the vault, break every single rule the Vex set up, and destroy Atheon. In the process, we are literally told that Guardians make their own fate. That mm-hmm. is the most thematically repeated part of the entire setting of Destiny. We take light, and through apparently sheer force of our paracausal will, force the immutable laws of this tiny little universe that we're in to bend to us. We defeat a god, um, and at the same time have absolutely no understanding of the significance that we, not the Vex, not the Oracles, or the Templars, or the Gorgons, or Atheon, are now the weapon that the Vex were trying to create. We've literally stormed into a throne realm and upset the natural order of things, and rewrote the rules of reality that we win. Mm. So I personally think that's super duper significant. But the only way we managed to do it was through this previous Guardian sacrifice. Yeah. So then we do the exact same thing in almost exactly the same way in Crota. Uh, Crota's end. Now this is kind of a weird thought, and and, and uh, I don't know if everyone is aware of this. I, I you guys all probably are, but I don't know if all your listeners are. So when um, the Taken King was coming out, and Luke Smith and the devs were all talking about like how they brought about King's Fall and everything like that. Yeah, they, they were going to wear Oryx's ass as a hat. Yeah. Aside from that, that was also a very important part of their uh, reveal. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I completely misread where you were going with that. I'm sorry. Well, it's also correct. <laughs> Um, and we did a little. Um, <laughs> at least the warlock helmet kind of seems like it might be like one butt cheek. Um, but more to the point, they they made this statement like, "Oh, hey, we've kind of rethought about the way we design raids. We're doing yeah. them from the top down now. So we're going to make up the hard mode slash challenge modes, and then we're going to remove elements until you get to normal. And before that, yeah. they did it the reverse, where they were just like, we're going to make it harder." than whatever normal is. I never really got into the Vault of Glass. Uh, I, I did it maybe six or seven times. So I don't really... I'm really not the one to say. But from normal to hard, it's the only difference literally you can't revive. Um, there are more oracles during the Templar fight. Okay, so a little bit mistaken. harder. A little bit um, more enemies. And can't revive? There are more enemies. There are... Uh, the Gorgons run different routes, and you can't do the maze quite the same way. Um, cool. Let me just think for a second. Uh, more... Basically, more majors and stuff like that. Yeah. The Atheon fight's virtually the same. I mean, at that point, it was so mostly it, about the level. Essentially, except for the Gorgons' path being differently uh, mapped, it is going from a... Uh, whatever strike it was before Tiger to a Tiger strike. It's just harder enemies. Yeah, 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 yeah. That which, kind of thing. Which is which is really... Well, well, and it was... Uh, I, I also, it's really lame of Bungie to do. Like, this is this is the challenge mode. This no, is you're totally the harder right. version. Well, and don't and, forget that the, the delta scaling of the levels was so harsh at that point that mm, the Forever 29 was a very real problem. Yeah. Because I know uh, Crota's End, the only difference was in the actual Crota fight, you didn't get this little magic cup that gave you health back. 
Yeah, but that, that was the only difference in the entire raid. Yeah, you remember what that cup was called, by the way. Uh, Chalice of Light. Okay, cool. So, do we know what the Chalice of Light was? It was a chalice of light. It was filled with light. It was, uh... it was, was it filled with light? Yeah. Okay. It, it uh, did some moonlighting for an Indiana light. Jones moving. So it might have been made of light, because it did just show up as a little, like, aura above our heads when we were holding it. Um, so the reason I, I ask that is the Chalice of Light was removed in hard mode, but remember, they designed the raids kind of backwards in this, and I think yeah. it's one of the saddest things that it got removed, because the hard mode is the mode that most people remember. Um, and uh, the, the funny thing about that is the Chalice of Light is basically the Aegis. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, it, it, it is a, a font of light that we claim and use to literally break the rules and win. Yeah, and, I see it. Yeah. And if you think about it, I, I know you didn't need to do this in the end, but if you think about the way you ran that instinctively, the first probably 55 million times we all did it, um, huh. your sword bearer was the one who initially ran out and grabbed the chalice, and he was the one who would hold the chalice when he went up to fight Atheon, or not Atheon, I'm sorry, Crota. Well, and, he was the one that would ideally hold the chalice because you would always have that one asshole yeah, who, would who would take, take it without oh, no, telling of you. Of course. It's like, why am I dying? Oh, I have the yeah. chalice. I, Get the fuck off my team. <laughs> I, I definitely never did that to our sword bearer just to mess with him. That definitely never <laughs> happened. Um, but you get punchy after you wipe like 47 times because Crota glitched. Yeah. <sighs> um, so in any in any case, um, my, my point kind of being that now this is sort of a theme and uh, then we proceed to, like you were saying earlier, so, so you were saying like, oh, Crota is King's Fall, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, more specifically that Crota is trying so desperately to emulate his father where he has very specific uh, steps in order where uh, he has Fogoth and that's his equivalent Golgoroth and then he also has uh, the totems and the death singer and then him which it's just like oh wow you're your dad <laughs> the apple doesn't fall fall far from the tree no you're totally correct so so my point here is that um and i understand mechanically it didn't quite work out this way but i think we can all also agree that crota's end was sort of a flawed raid in its execution um but plot wise we took some light that crota had taken and was going to uh, little t um and was going to uh presumably devour and reclaimed it and used that power to like flaunt, flaunt the the laws of the reality he had set up, which was nobody can heal, everybody's just going to die in the end. And also uh, in King's Fall, we use the um, the darkness, the blighted light, which isn't light necessarily. We used Oryx's. Mm -hmm thing we use oryx's yeah. objects to damage oryx that's the only way we damage oryx yeah. and we use the sword bearer's sword that's the only way we actually damage crota yeah and well and not just that you're skipping over golgoroth in that equation um where we purify corrupted light before we even go to oryx in order to uh, uh weaken and wound golgoroth we stand in a pool of purified light mm-hmm 
Now, if you remember in the grimoire, Toland loses his mind about this. That shouldn't be possible. What the hell are you guys doing? This is crap. You guys are some sort of weird. And Toland should know, frankly, that, that that is insane what we're doing. And so if you kind of put this in perspective, we've been doing that since Vault of Glass. Well, he's been gone for a while. Yeah, Centuries. Yeah. No, no, but I'm saying we specifically, our fire team, yeah. have been storming into places where we are not in control of reality and literally making our own fate. Now, in in each example of this, um, someone has come before us. So, you know, we, we, you have Kaber and, and I mean, Praetith too, but Kaber's the one who left the Aegis, presumably. Uh, you have you have Kaber in the vault, you have um, the first Crota fire team, and Toland for, for Crota's end. I don't know if that's where the light came from that Crota was going to eat, because time is a weird notion there. But, you mm-hmm. know, they, they gave us some insight on how to handle that, and we still reclaim light to use. And then with Oryx, like, this is the center point of tithing of the entirety of the hive, basically. And yeah. we reclaim corrupted light, and then we reclaim, like, blights. You know, like, we full-on turn dark into light. You know, uh, take take back what, what Oryx took. We literally take, like, capital T un- to fight un-take. Oryx. Yeah, I mean, arguing one way or the other, for sure. But, like... We are directly, again, like pitting our will against his, using what is there from this leftover light. So, this is where I'm going to get really, really spinfoily. Um, and then I'm going to shut up for a while and let you guys figure out what on earth this could have an implication of. But kind of the finish point of this theory is, as I talk about this, I cannot help but think about the difference or what wasn't there for Wrath of the Machine. Mm-hmm. When we fight Axis, and technically Vosik, so v- Vosik has like the clean rooms when he's gonna like kill everything with a Siva overload, and I kind of buy the clean rooms. Like they have to have a way to test things. That this is obviously like a workshop of his to a certain degree, and those are like they built force fields to keep out Siva, whatever. Yeah. And I mean the game. The ge- at some point it's a, it's a game. It yeah. is needed. Yeah, but what I mean is, like, there is literally a switch that we flip that puts down a force field. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, there is a, a visual representation of what's going on. So then we fight Axis. And we have... There, so there's nobody who came before us. This is literally the first raid where there's nothing that came before us. I used to think it was King's Fall, but that just meant there were no Guardians that came before us. But people have been trying to kill Oryx for literally millions of years. Yeah. Even the own hive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And most of the people trying to kill him were also uh, using paracausal traveler light tech. Yeah, I think it was actually. Uh, I think it was actually in the King's Fall ride along that they mention when you get to the um, the totem room. I forget what the, the actual name is. Those acolytes that are praying in front of the the opening. They're mm-hmm. actually challenging Oryx. Yeah, they're or not just hanging the, out. The they priest. they are. Yeah, we are interrupting their challenge. Yes, because uh, while we're going, they are actually going for it. We're cooler than them. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be honest, guys. We we definitely in King's Fall just Mister Kool-Aided our way through that entire raid. <laughs> it's we true, we literally crashed into that dreadnought and proceeded to punch through walls until we got to the end. 
We just happen to do it in the right order. Yeah, the Cabal are Kool Aid. Yes. Um. So so then so again, last thought: we're fighting Axis. There's nobody who's come before us. They built that thing right before we got there. Axis is not a god. It's not a throne realm. Probably this is. I'm not going to get into weird Sivo stuff too hard. But Axis definitely um, is invulnerable, more or less. And then suddenly some of us get empowered. That and was the um, the Sivamites overcharging us, wasn't it? I, I mean, it sure looks like we suddenly are blazing with light. And... Yeah, that's I. I could have sworn that there was like a, a reference to it. It was the Siva mites that are like in us were getting overcharged by the area. I mean, it's totally possible. I'm just pointing out that that shouldn't have worked in our favor, by definition. No, it was. It, it should not have. Axis was like so, like cocky about it that it was like. Sure. It it didn't it didn't it he didn't think that could work. But then it was like, oh shit, Sifa's not yeah. actually only for me. Like Sifa's just going nuts, yeah, sure, powering everything up in this room. Oh, sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm just pointing out that again, visually, it's that same kind of like we are suffused with light and power. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, by all means, it's probably Sifa mites, but we also fundamentally changed the meaning and nature of them by being us. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I'm saying is that. We become empowered, we use that power to wound Axis, and then we jump to Pillars to mm-hmm. keep him from murdering us. Why do the Pillars protect us? And, because and, it's a game. Yeah, okay, sure, but my point is that in every other raid, every single mechanic is incredibly, incredibly lore-supported. Yeah. So, so I could believe that the Rise of Iron team completely dropped the ball, and there is no lore to make any sense of these mechanics. But that's also really boring, and I'm spitting out weird theories. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask, like, uh, there is nothing, you know, just point out that there is nothing previously there for us to use like there has been in every other raid. But you remember how I said earlier that I'm not sure we did leave a power vacuum? Mm-hmm. Tolan got really concerned after we killed Oryx because we did not go sit on Oryx's throne and take over. But we've been following sort of sword logic this entire journey here. We stormed into a throne realm of the Vex and unseated Atheon, and again, the throne world did not collapse or anything like that. But there was no other... I mean, and with the Vex, it should be the easiest thing in the world. The Vex, you can't have, like, a lower Vex become a higher Vex. They're, they're artificial. They The mind has to... I mean, like, the, the greater minds create the lesser minds. I'm sure they can upgrade themselves, but I don't think, realistically, you have a goblin ascend to a hydra. Yeah. You're just made as you are. Yeah, more or less. So, nothing else should be keeping that throne world active, but it's there when... when uh, who is it? When Skolas goes back, when, you know... Everyone collectively keeps going back to the Vault of Glass just to see if it's, you know, got anything else in it. Mm-hmm. We defeat Crota, that throne world kind of holds up, everything like that. We clear it all out. We And, and really, in all these cases, but, but especially the two Hive ones, we really thematically 
use sword logic, perhaps um, not intentionally, to chop our way from one thing to the next. We, I mean, literally in King's Fall, we are properly challenging the war priest. But then we're also doing things that we really shouldn't be able to, like using like the the brands of the weaver and the unraveler and stealing brands of immortality like that's that's stuff that we should not be able to do there's no I mean, we literally like rip ourselves back from between dimensions maybe that was toland whatever but we we rip ourselves back from between dimensions and use the resulting power of our uh, light will uh, awesomeness to grab the inherent power of Irhalak or Irhanuk and bind it to ourselves. And then we do that again with Oryx's champion with the freaking brand of immortality. Uh-huh. And we become so invulnerable that Oryx cannot kill us with his will in his throne realm. So, mm. my point here, of course, all being that when we finish all of these things, we are now the power at the top of those throne worlds, and have been. But we leave it. Yeah, sure. Does that so mean you... that we're not that powerful? I mean, look no, at how it ex- doesn't mean that we're not that powerful. It means that it is empty. It is open to be taken, which is exactly what Malak tried to do. Yeah, sure, but let me ask you a question. Oryx occasionally is not in his throne realm. I mean, he was yes, after a not, certain point. Not Crota physically, leaves. but he's still the commanding rule, like. You don't have to physically be sitting there yeah. to be it. You, you just have to be the commanding voice. And we are not commanding the the rules of Oryx's throne realm. You know, we've just we just said okay, bye. We didn't. Do, we you're just totally because right. we broke the rules doesn't mean that we're writing the new rules. No, you're you're totally correct. And I truly hope in my heart of hearts that at some point down the line in Destiny. Um, we're going to have Toland as a raid boss sitting on the Osmium throne. I really, really hope that we do. I don't think we will. Uh, it would be so I awesome. I don't think he's a bad guy. Well, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying I'm pretty sure in the end he's going to be running the hive. Um, uh, certainly we left him sitting there. But I will point out that you're totally right. That's exactly what Malak tried to do. And then we went back and killed him for trying. Mm-hmm and arguably defended our territory. This is all to say, when you do when, when you do Wrath of the Machine at the end of it, and we just sort of assert power over Siva, are, are we just basically gods in our own right at this point? Because Tolan seemed to think that, like, we were entitled to all of that power at the end of King's Fall, and Guardians definitely don't operate by sword logic strictly. They can, but they seem to have to give up being guardians to really get into that stuff. So, so well, I mean, all, by all hive rights, we we earned uh, Oryx's throne and we left the power vacuum. That's that's exactly what I mean. Without us staying there, without us being the commanding voice, anyone can just walk up. There's no one to challenge it. Yeah. There's no or there's no one to be challenged for the throne. So yeah. any any acolyte, any malak, any knight could do it. Yeah, but the 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 argument there and the, and again, I I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm really not. Um the the flip side of all of this is just to say, yeah, anybody could do that. But if you follow up with sword logic, who are they challenging to gain that much power? No, I mean, one, like because I we could, left it open. Well, I mean, no, 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 I'm saying like I could walk 
into Congress and tell everybody that I'm passing laws, but I didn't get elected and I don't have any constituents. To, to sit at that point of power and actually exercise all that will, you have to be Ascendant Hive. To become an Ascendant Hive, you have to basically rack up the body count of things that should be more powerful than you until you're more powerful than all of them. And to yeah. sit on the Osmium throne, you have to basically be receiving well, obviously, tribute and have a Obviously not, not anyone can just walk I in and say, that. okay, this is mine. But it's the fact that we're letting... There's a throne world established with so much incredible power, and we are leaving it yes, there. Absolutely. We are not saying, this is ours, every hive, stay out. Absolutely. I mean, effectively, we did when Malak tried, and Alakul would have tried, uh, yeah. but we, it's the fact that... We, we did were... systematically defeat every challenger. Um, yeah, but we we defeated them before they really challenged, sure. and it's like, if another challenger did come, and what if we didn't like stop him? What if yeah, we, sure. he did it without us realizing? Then he would have gained the power to craft the throne as Oryx has you're totally correct I don't think any part of that is wrong all I was going to get at in the end was Oryx's whole point to become the king of shapes uh, was that you had to keep killing everything that was more powerful than you and by doing so whether or not you're sitting in a throne realm specifically or anything like that you are telling the universe I am bigger than you over and over and over again my point is that that's literally what we've been doing was going from unbeatable thing to unbeatable thing and stomping it to death and writing our own rules of reality and when we get to wrath of the machine there's nothing there for us to draw upon there is no hidden light there's no previous guardians uh breaking holes in reality we're as far as we know in reality and all of the reality altering everything that we've done has happened in throne realms. So there we are fighting Axis, who, again, theoretically should be pretty unbeatable in the sense of all he really has to do is raise his fist, suffuse everything with SIVA, and have it pull everything apart at a molecular level. It, it certainly has killed Guardians like that in the past and then, you know, reanimated their bodies. There were hundreds of Iron Lords, and they got spanked. Mm -hmm. And we walk in there... And uh, suddenly get empowered in a way that, like you said, really shouldn't have happened. Um, stun the crap out of Axis repeatedly. Shoot the crap out of him. And then when he says, screw it, I'm going to nuke all of you, we all jump in a little huddle. Light streams out from a, a pillar. And we make ourselves invulnerable to SIVA. Again, I understand that there's a game mechanic. I'm just, like, from a lore perspective what's happening there other than we have decided we're not dying so uh, I know. so this is kind of the, the I, I mean that's kind of the end of my point here is just that um, you know aside from just the vault of glass as a throne realm and I think that ties everything into me because guardians make their own fate was prophetic over the course of every other storyline here mm -hmm. and we are our fire team Theoretically, I mean, like, obviously we can play raids with whoever, but I think the argument would be that our fire team is our fire team because that's the way it's supposed to kind of work. Yeah, it's just how the, how the lore sort of sees it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm going to sit back for a minute on all that stuff because I've definitely been talking for uh, possibly too long. 
And, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, but it was, well, but anyway. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, and people would probably like scoff at it, but you know, it is called the Glass Throne. Like I, yep. I can't help but feel like that was a very intentional name. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's my favorite thing is that I think we work backwards from that and that we had no concept of what all that was uh, yeah. supposed to be until you have to look back on it. And I just think that's super cool, especially well, since it's the Vex and time travel. It's it's really crazy how Bungie does that with a lot of the grimoire. Yeah. Like, they, they say these one-word things and they're so insignificant. Anyone would look right past it and think nothing of it. And, like, everyone's like, oh, the Amkara, that's going to be the next story. Oh, this, oh, that. And it's like, oh, Warlords is mentioned in that one card in, like, one word in one sentence. And that was the next DLC, Warlords, Iron Lords, like, this whole thing wrapped into it. And it's just no one could have seen it coming. But Bungie is just sitting there planning it. It's like, oh, yeah, this would be good. Well, yeah, this and would- the other... Yeah, they. I mean, they do it across the board. Like the uh, Crota's end didn't. Not that it didn't make sense, but like it wasn't nearly as in depth, dri- dripping with lore as it was after Kingsfall came out. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly everything had much more meaning and significance, and we all went back and played it again to to see other names and other pay attention to things that we just ignored before. Yeah, like we we had an understanding of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree. Uh, the Vault of Glass is the equivalent Vex throne world, and I never really thought about it as that they were sort of going back in time to do it like that. And I never, I never personally connected it so uh, comparatively to to King's Fall and to Crota's End. That's crazy. I don't know about anyone else here. Well, I, know, I, I mean, it, it's funny to me because he's been talking about this theory for so long that I'm like, yeah, of course, because it's been talking about it. And then I meet other people who he hasn't talked to, and I mention it, and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah, I can't, thing. I can't, I can't, I can't think of it that way now, which it's sort of, it's sort of like a dangerous thing to propose with this community because it's like oh thanks Bungie you just reskinned the same fucking raid for three years yeah or for two years but we haven't played it backwards yet we have not played it backwards that's how lazy they were they just put different enemies in there actually um now you know what fair fair point there are definitely people who have uh used the Aegis to climb all the way back out of the vault of glass so the community actually has played it backwards, strictly, strictly speaking. Well, God damn it, Bungie! <laughs> God damn it, Bungie! So, does anyone does anyone else have anything to say on this idea? I've, I've mainly been listening over the past hour, and I, I am very intrigued, but I don't really have anything else to add. It seems <laughs> that's. Um, given me something to think about and something to look up into in my own time as well. Uh, I will take it uh, one step further then and, and mention the Black 
garden, which is essentially where the worshipping Vex are. Uh, the purpose of the Black Garden was to bring the powers of the Vault of Glass out of the Vault of Glass. Using so essentially the, the Black Garden... Well, maybe. But essentially the Black Garden was the attempt to turn the Vault of Glass into the Dreadnought. Uh, sort of absolutely. flip it inside out and have it everywhere. Have it... have. To have Ir Ir Halak and Ira Nukes equivalent Vex names to rip apart reality. Because the Vault of Glass or I'm sorry, the uh, Black Garden exists everywhere and every when. Well and it does. And we had to it, tether it to Mars in yeah, the present. It used to. Yeah. Because they they <laughs> they they took it away and we we, we brought it back. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to add a, a very singular thing because I, I kind of want to focus on just really what I, I view as kind of like the overall sort of meta point here mm-hmm. is that I personally think that Bungie told us from the beginning the actual thematic constant of destiny is that Guardians make their own fate. It was the very, like, like that is a very specific naming convention. Guardians make their own fate. <laughs> And if you start looking at the rest of the lore in all its myriad aspects, but especially the raids, through the lens of Guardians Make Their Own Fate, there are a lot of things that get connected in a weird way. Mm. I do what I want. You don't know me. (laughs) That would have been a better debuff, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for that to show up in the bottom of the screen. That was, that Destiny was, uh, goes on a PC. We can have it. That was the uh, the uh, Dredgen Yor version of the buff. <laughs> uh, so then, while we're on while we're on the Vault of Glass, and while we're on Bungie reskinning the first three raids over and over and over, uh, recently there was a leak uh, with Mega. Uh, Mega constructs, not mega blocks. Uh, everyone focused on the cabal, which we talked about last week, and how there's some silly little cabal fight scene. Uh, what there also was was the aspect of glass, which is the Volta Glass raid ship, is coming in a mega constructs uh, building kit thing. Uh, so, what does everyone what does everyone think about that? Does that sort of hint that the Vault of Glass is going to be revamped, and if that isn't enough uh, to persuade, even though it's been here since as Vanilla Destiny, there is a second Vault of Glass set. It is a blue set of armor as opposed to the bronze set of armor, and I think the item icon, the little preview icon, is sort of poorly representing what it is, it's not like teal blue, but it's actually like the Vex white gla- glossy glass color, like Atheon is. Uh, that that came back up recently, and uh, from a Reddit post, someone was saying like, "Hey, don't forget about all these," and everyone sort of lost their mind for the sixth time about that armor. It, it is cyclical. Um, I'm I'm gonna uh, I, I don't really 
have a lot of opinion or thought on the armor, but I will say as far as the Mega Bloks goes, it definitely hints that my wallet will probably be about 50 bucks lighter when the Aspect of the Last comes out. <laughs> that is uh, without a doubt. All right. Anyone else have any uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, clearly the most significant part is that they changed it from brown to blue, right? Yeah. Well, it's just I, I've heard I've heard the argument that before Destiny was launched, they didn't exactly know how they wanted raids to work, and uh, they wanted it to have a normal set of armor, which would be one color, and a hard set of armor, which would be another color. And that is entirely preposterous. There is no way that Bungie would ever have two identical sets of armor with the only difference being a color come from essentially the same activity. That is that is stupid. <laughs> really, though, I would love to have uh, like Atheon glass metal armor instead of the bronze, because I don't like that poop brown bronze. So... That's, I always thought that's the my set, issue. I always thought the set looked good, like uh, without with uh, with the shader on. But I, I I agree. I do not like the the Heathen um, corrective type armor. Can can if we're gonna have the glass armor and everything's gonna be translucent and shimmery and all that? Can it, we please please have chroma? Please. I, that might be that might be one of the things because uh, I do believe I mean like I know I'm, I'm like being a dick about the armor coming back up but I do believe that the Vault of Glass the Curtisan and probably even the Prison of Elders will be coming back but because of the strikes that came back because each of those sort of reflect the respective enemy type with the Nexus uh, Tanix and third uh, strike that came back I forgot the name uh that could be how they bring back the armor. They bring back the same armor, but now it has chroma op- options on it. The the third strike was Omnigol, but um, so yes, so, it was. so uh, at the risk of uh, <laughs> breaking everything I've talked about, do do we want to have a conversation about how on Venus with um, the Nexus Mind taken or not, the, the, the Aegis is sitting there now? <laughs> Yeah, you know, because I actually I think some people are a little uh, confused about that. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that? Since you're the guest, we'll let you uh, share I, first. I might be one of those people, to be entirely honest with you. Oh, um, well, I, I mean, I I think the notion was like it was pulled out of the vault with. Um, I mean, they, there's some there's some line. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. There's some line like they pulled the Nexus Mind using the power of the Vault of Glass from another timeline or something like that, like. They're, they're the, the yeah. yeah, it wasn't that they they pulled it from. They didn't mention how they pulled it from another timeline. That's just assumed since that's what they've tried to do in the past. But it's that it was upgraded with Vault of Glass tech. That right. it's not the regular Nexus Mind. It's Nexus Mind upgraded, which is sort of haunting. Yeah, it's it, it's implying that they have succeeded in in pulling out the. Vault of Glass technology from the Vault of Glass. So the yeah. Black Garden in another timeline succeeded. It yeah. has um, the Templar shield. Yeah. And uh, some people were sort of upset about the, the Aegis being there. And I don't get why. Because the Aegis is an object 
Like, why why couldn't I? Like you said, people have used it to get out of the vault of glass. Obviously, you can take it out of the vault of glass. Like, it's just, it's not meant to be. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, said? yeah, like, 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 yes, they exploited game mechanics of the way it makes you jump, like, like flying with your sparrow. But no, I, I meant like, I, I guess uh, where people would get kind of concerned about that is like, the Aegis is a specific thing that exists in the vault. But to be fair, the Aegis also exists in multiple places in the vault. Exactly. And you can have two at once through multiple I just, timelines yeah. in the vault. I, I think people put too much weight into the Aegis because it was a vault relic. And it's not like the sword, where there's swords everywhere. Like, who cares? But it's, really, that's all the Aegis is. It's just a shield. It's nothing special. I mean, it is special, because it's, it's... I don't think the Aegis is special. I think what we use it for is special. I mean... I mean, like, we no are the power terms. behind the Aegis. Well, well, well um, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I think you're right, objectively, that like we make use of it. But, um... I don't know that you can argue that it doesn't have power on its own, because when you get blighted or, or uh, marked by the oracles, I was searching for that word, when you get marked by the oracles, the only way to remove the mark is to go to the place where the Aegis is going to spawn, where light is emanating from, and cleanse yourself in the light of the Aegis, which um, removes the Vex Annihilator Totem uh, Death Song effect from you that's fair uh so i i think i mean caber created it and leaves you that note of like you you need to use the aegis um what it would hold on you know what i have i have the the da 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 organs aegis uh from my own light and the thinking flesh of the vex i made a shield the shield is your deliverance it will break the unbreakable it will change your fate hmm is there mm-hmm. a... So the the Aegis abs- I'll agree the the Aegis absolutely does have its own inherent power, but even then, nothing is saying this Aegis can only exist in the Vault of Glass. Nothing, it cannot be taken anywhere. Like Whoa. why wouldn't we? If we understood that the the Nexus Mine was coming back with Vault of Glass tech, why would we not want to prepare? for what we use to defeat the Vault of Glass. Well, I mean, to be fair, we, we don't. It's waiting for us when we get to the bottom. Is is there a um, is there a, a line of reasoning, in you guys' opinion, that the wound that Kaber made in the Vault, and it says even, like, it is his light and the thinking flesh of the Vex. Like, it is made of Vex and light, which are two things that do not mix otherwise. So I have no idea how he did it. It's not really the well, point. What's to say that the Vex don't mix with light? They are non-paracausal by nature. Even Atheon is technically non-paracausal. Well, I mean, like, humans are non-paracausal, but humans became guardian. Uh, It's a whole other conversation. I mean, sure. Unless there's something specific. Unless ghosts made guardians. Like, I don't know. You're, you're, You're not wrong. My question is, is there something to be said that since, like, in the vault, the Aegis seems to exist in all places, like, it's there at the Templar, it's there in whatever timeline Atheon tries to throw you into, you get two at once when you deal with the gatekeepers moving into the, the, you know, past and future, or however you want to view that, is there something to be said that they pulled power from the vault out, and that the Aegis is like an infected wound into the vault. You cannot yeah. 
take the vault anywhere without also taking the Aegis with it. Maybe it's uh, ontopathogenic? Uh, yep, that was basically where I was going with that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would point out... It's, I can see it's, that. It's a virus in the code yeah. of the vault. It is It is a... a oh, God, I was going to say worm. Oops. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I... That's the lore explanation in my head of how it could be there with the Nexus. I haven't really thought about it before now. But it does exist in multiple places, much like the Vex. Um, and seems to be wherever the vault is. Yeah, I completely agree. But what I hadn't thought about was that notion that, oh yeah, they pulled vault tech out of the vault, and so, yeah, the Black Garden, obviously something succeeded, and so are the... That's horrifying. That's Which... about as horrifying as um the taken uh, soul progeny in the alternate um, Valistark strike from taken... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a... That's just like pants-shittingly terrifying in its implication. <laughs> like, uh, like I, like I sort of said last week, uh, I thought I'm, I'm sticking to the original uh, roadmap for Destiny hasn't changed so much as it's just been pushed back a little bit and been redirected. Where the DLC, which was supposed to come after Taken King, called Vex Void was supposed to be about the Vex uh, reclaiming the Black Garden and succeeding. So they were sort of pulling the Black Garden back into the Void, claiming it as their own. And I think that is sort of an implication of such being true. Would that be why uh, we'd have like an updated Vault of Glass raid? Is what your thought it could that? also be, yeah. As many people think. Okay. Uh, I think that's uh, all we wanted to cover, right? Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> I think this was a, a good episode, being uh, like super speculative and super theory and just talking. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I kept it really Discussion. short and simple for you guys. <laughs> Discussion is oh, always nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right then. Well. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lorecast. Until next week, you can find us on Twitter at Destiny Lorecast. We love to hear from you, so please give us your thoughts and theories. If you'd like to help us grow, leave us a review on iTunes. You can also find us somewhere on Destiny Trackers Network, Podcast Network, with other great podcasts. I am exhausted and don't have the energy to list them all off, but they're all pretty fucking great. Uh, my Ninja hates you. We actually, we, we didn't we were sort of. I was sort of rushing into this because I didn't have the notes all structured in front of me. Like I said, um, like <laughs> who actually are you? <laughs> did we did we record an, an intro? Did you say like welcome guardians and all that stuff? We did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, but because I didn't actually write the intro, I just used that like one that says insert name and stuff. Like I was like, oh crap, I don't. Uh, so I just sort of flew through it really fast. So, uh, Ninja, why don't, why don't you say why you're here? Why, why you have exclusive access as a guest? Um, I, I basically uh, follow around in Purple Chimera's wake these days, um, <laughs> like one of those, like one of those little uh, symbiotic fish that attaches itself to like a, a whale shark or a manta ray or something. 
you know, horrifying. You just see them. <laughs> yeah, you could like, like I'm, I, I'm gonna end up in a worm analogy again in just a moment. Um, <laughs> I, I force her to stick to her nature of uh, eternally starting new podcasts until she does nothing but <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Um, that's yeah. why she has that nervous tick of she has to say uh, ishtar-collective.net at least once per episode of anything she that she's on. She hasn't done it yet, but we're going to get in there because where did I do all the research for this excellent lore? <laughs> <laughs> on ishtar-collective.net. Oh. Careful, we had it going. Uh, we had a streak going. No. It's, ne- it's never, never going to not happen, Mike. <laughs> well, no, then... Um, uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Since I also didn't ask that at the beginning. If it's uh, if it's not written in front of me, I will forget, and that's no, exactly what I said. It's fine. Um, most people can find me in um, uh, Purple Chimera's living room most of the time. <laughs> um, uh, I I am theoretically on Twitter um, as my ninja hates you, written in the most obnoxious way possible. Um, you guys can put it in the show notes if I spell it yeah. out. I sound like an idiot. Um, uh, I am on you guys Slack. I'm on the Rabbit Hole Radio Slack. Not Slack, I'm sorry, Discord. Whatever. Yeah. What you, you app children are using. Um, and uh, I comment when I am not working or using stupid weapons in Crucible. Um, uh, but but yeah, I'm, I am the beginning of that story that Purple always tells about um, being handed a controller with a panic bubble and going, I'm the flip side of that story. That's how <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so really, this is all his fault. <laughs> he already said he was the worm. I mean, I mean, who's to say when the timeline really starts and ends on all of this? <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> well, uh, Purple, we sort of missed you in the intro so why don't why don't you introduce yourself and let everyone know where they can find you hi i'm purple chimera you can find me on twitter at purple chimera you can find my summaries on ishtar-collective.net you can find me here on dlc you can find me on rabbit hole radio podcast we just released our second episode right yay and and the uh ishtar collective podcast and the ishtar collective podcast which is temporarily on hiatus because baxter is in australia didn't you guys like bulk record? Yeah. Okay. That. Oh, all right. Uh, Mike, you're up. Let's go. I'm tired. <laughs> I need to go to bed, Sliny. I do. <laughs> um. Hi, I'm Mike. I didn't talk much tonight, but uh, I, I like listening sometimes. So I'm also quite tired as well. Um. So you can find me on Twitter at Mythos Mike. Uh, you can also find me streaming never at twitch.tv, uh, twitch.tv slash Mike S from PD. Um, you can also find me over on some of um, uh, uh, some of Planet Destiny's uh, media outlets, uh, a couple of videos on their channels, and a few articles that I've published in the past. So keep an eye out for those. Awesome. Um, you know who I am, and if if you don't know where to find me at this point, I don't I don't even know. What to tell you? So are you turning into Mylan? Like I, no, I'll find you. He's he's super creepy about it. <laughs> he is. He does. He gets like all up in his it. camera. He's like, I'll find you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I don't. I don't know. I I feel a little bad. 
telling people to follow me because like you would think like oh wow like this guy talks a lot of lore i bet that's all he does on twitter no no that is not what i do on twitter at all i am not what you would what you don't i got not that i don't tweet about lore i do a lot but i also tweet about the things that are going on in my life and my life is a little crazy yep so until next time guardians Have a good one, everybody. Bye.